Hey, what up? Salam. Hey. Hey, Raga. ¿Qué tal, amigos? dark topics yeah that it's technology is like no we don't want you you to shall not opinion. discuss these films today opinions. or tomorrow yeah, exactly. <laughs> the first book that i was like introduced to like iranian filmmaking it was like back at nyu mm-hmm. and there was like a whole entire chapter in this book about like how a religious leader was like, you must fear women. They have magical powers. I remember actually telling you this at the time. And so I feel like that's a curse that's on our episode. We have magical powers in the words that we use. Ay, ay, ay. So the world is conspiring against us. Yeah. Especially because today we are talking about a Persian film called The Salesman and a French film called Irreversible. Okay, which do we get started with? Well, no, I just wanted to say we've been trying to record this episode for a while, so our podcast voices are a little rusty, so (laughs) please work with us. Before we get started, we just wanted to offer our listeners a trigger warning as the following films in this episode do contain depictions of gender-based violence, homophobia, transphobia, and rape. And we will be discussing those topics. If those sound like things that you don't want to hear about, please feel free to skip this episode and make sure to check out any of our other episodes. And thank you so much for listening. you like the honor um okay so the first (laughs) film of this episode our first cursed film is oh wait let's not let's not put that energy into it (laughs) now i'm gonna feel like i'm doing something evil i feel like i'm gonna have to pray about this conversation let's just light some sage if you're listening um the first film is called irreversible and it is by uh, actually argentinian french director gaspar noé Uh, It came out in France in 2002, and in the U.S. it was released in 2003. Uh, It stars Vincent Cassel and Monica Bellucci. And uh, should I just get into it? Yeah, just give us a little spiel. Also, can you just... You said that so nonchalantly. Vincent and Monica, you need to put a little in it. (laughs) Especially me, because I'm obsessed. I know. (laughs) I, I, I would like all listeners to know on my hard drive in high school i dedicated an entire album i'm sorry an entire folder to saving photos of the two of them when they were together it was my big thing so it is actually one of their most famous films together and they were a couple when this when this was filmed i just there's a lot there's a lot to say about this film but in i do want to preface it with this film is extremely violent and graphic and there's a lot to hate about this film and uh, there's so much that we could talk about but we're gonna try to focus it and hone it in on how like how it relates to the salesman the story is told in reverse and it is essentially about a woman named alex who is raped in an underpass in paris and beaten into a coma it then follows her boyfriend and her boyfriend's friend who is also her ex-boyfriend as they try to as they look for this man who the perpetrator of this attack and enact vengeance on him aka like kill him if they find him the story is told in reverse that means we see the end scene and then every scene that happens after that is the moment before so we see the moment of vengeance 
And then in the middle of the story, which it, it, we see the rape scene, and then at the end of the story, or the end of the film, we see the beginning of their day, essentially, when they're supposed to go to this party together. And uh, it's a very, it's it's a very tender moment between this this couple. Yeah. Did I miss anything? No, that's, I think, perfect. Do you want to introduce The Salesman? Of course. So The Salesman is a film from 2016 by the Iranian director Asghar Fahadi. And this film basically follows a married couple, Imad and Reina. And so this married couple, work, they work in theater and are basically, like, throughout this entire film, preparing for a play that they're doing together. And on top of that, they essentially like move into an, a new apartment building and unfortunately uh, Reina is sexually assaulted one night. And the film basically follows Imad's like pursuit of the assailant and there's a lot of spoilers so I'm not going to try to ruin it for anyone but he will find the assailant and it's going to be really sad. That said it's also it's a story within a story meaning that you kind of get to see the play that they're working on death of a salesman by arthur miller mm-hmm. um i think it's from the 40s and it's really interesting to have that at play with this film and like what the actions of imad are because it kind of has very similar shared themes in death of a salesman the main character is has identified what is a good life and has identified that to have a good life would mean to be well liked and to have money and he's constantly in pursuit of that goal and i think that's kind of similar to imad setting a goal of finding his wife's attacker and kind of ruining other parts of his life to get there you know yeah is there anything that i'm missing gloria uh, nothing that that is like for the intro i feel like i want to just like get into it and like dig in with you and like talk about it all right <laughs> I mean, listen, before we get into Irreversible, can I just say, after seeing that, I had to make the decision I can never watch it again. Mm. And then on top of that, every single time I'm in a New York City train station with an underpass, I think about this film, period. Yeah. (laughs) That's how, like, even if you've never experienced trauma like that, it's so graphic that you can't even look away. Yeah, I think something I didn't mention in the intro, which deserves mentioning, is that when this film premiered at Cannes, many, many people walked out of the theater. The rape scene that happens is 10 minutes long, which is arguably the like longest and most graphic sexual assault scene probably in... Probably to this day. Yeah. To this day, probably. And I think a lot there's a lot of hatred about of this film. Like on Rotten Tomatoes, it has like a fifty-seven percent. And I think it's because of how graphic almost gratuitously it feels like graphic the film mm. is. And it's weird because I can't say I'm very affected by those scenes. And I too, when the rape scene happens, I always I, I've only seen it twice. I've m- muted the scene every time and the second time i watched it i literally put a piece of paper on top of the scene and i was just <laughs> reading the subtitles because i wanted to see what was being said i, I didn't want to watch it again like i don't want to have those images in my head ever so that is like i understand why many many people cannot and won't won't watch this film and i respect that that being said i do think that there are some truly fascinating things about the way this film was written and about maybe what it was unintentionally like I don't think it was intentionally Mm. trying to talk about these things but I feel like it ends up talking about something that's truly interesting if you can manage to get past the gore of it all definitely definitely I think I also I the first time I saw it I feel like I remember seeing or reading about someone's review of the film someone who's actually been raped and they're like it's as horrific 
as what you see on there. You know what I mean? Yeah. And there's no sugarcoating it. And yeah. and that might not have been the intention of the director. Yeah. But it was so... I think for anyone who sees the film, it leaves an impact. Yeah. I don't think it's the only one way. I mean, I think in The Salesman, we saw a really different depiction of an assault. And it still had a really incredible impact and maybe it might have gone over a lot of uh, like viewers heads mm-hmm. but i think as a woman when this is a spoiler alert when uh, rana like is in the shower and the door opens mm-hmm. and you don't see anything except the creaking of the store mm-hmm. as a woman you know exactly what's about to go down you know what i mean mm-hmm. and i don't know if that if i don't know like Maybe we should have like male guests sometimes. I don't know how. <laughs> I don't know how this scene looks for men. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. If they're thinking about these things, we talked about this in Cuties too. It's like it doesn't have to be said because we're women and we've been in those situations before. Mm-hmm. Like we're able to recognize gazes and like things. Like mm-hmm. all I had to see without knowing what this film was about was that door just like slowly mm-hmm. creaking mm-hmm. open. Yeah. And I knew exactly what was about to happen. Absolutely. You know? Whereas I think in Irreversible, I think it's just like, there was nothing, there was no room for like, misunderstanding. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it it almost, it makes me think about how when in the 50s they had to do like sex scenes, they just sort of like pan to like, Mm. you know, like like a piece of clothing on the floor and you're like, oh, the imagination is like greater than what you could ever show on film. And then you see films that are extremely graphic. I think about like, I don't know, like Blue is the Warmest Color, like super, super intense graphic sex scenes. And to some degree, it's like, does that make it better? Like, does that make your experience of the sex scenes like more engaging? I I would argue not, right? Like something about like having the imagination and the suspense of it like makes it more intense. For this, for these two films, Definitely. so like, so the salesman leaves the leaves it up to the imagination, whereas Irreversible really, really explicitly shows it to you. And I think something really interesting that you said about the woman who like experienced the assault. I think this is maybe an unintentional consequence of Noe's filmmaking, in that as a woman, when you experience an assault you are incredibly alone in that experience. Like no one else experienced that with you and no one else will be able to understand. And particularly, I think as a woman, when you try to share that experience to men, they will never know what it's really like to be in that situation. And something that this 10-minute scene does is give even male viewers a sense of how awful it truly is and there's no escape from that there's no escape Mm. for the male viewers to see this scene and to experience almost even for them to experience a kind of secondhand assault is like to include them in this experience that they might never understand definitely definitely and i think if you also know gaspar's like filmography like it's expected these kind of really triggering i've only ever seen i think enter the void after this and i really didn't like enter the void and i don't think i'm a i don't think i'm a no way like fan you know i don't think i don't think i am either i mean i've seen a lot of his films and i've tried to keep an open mind because like he is a type of filmmaker where i it may not be the things that i'm like immediately like into but i do think there's like a value in certain of his films even though i may not understand some of them even um like two years ago i saw lux eterna at midnight at khan and i swear to god and i mean this in the best way i felt like i was entering the pits of hell Mm. (laughs) i don't even know how you can make that the best way it was like the whole entire theater was like in this deep red the sound was just like elevating you or like the opposite of elevating because we were yeah. going to hell with this film <laughs> descending <laughs> but you know what I mean? <laughs> descending you into the pits of hell that's how his film made me feel 
that said, I'm I'm I think a lot of his films are meant to quote unquote trigger you. Yeah. I also think okay, my big theory about this film and the reason that I find it so fascinating more so to talk about than to watch is I think that this film depicts toxic masculinity in in mm. a really interesting and vivid way. And I think as it relates to the salesman, it does so in a way that shows us like Vincent who plays um, Marcus, like just how toxic his need to like an act of vengeance can be. And I actually mm. read something really interesting when I was reading about this film that American film critic Roger Ebert said. Mm. He said, The film's structure makes it inherently moral that by presenting vengeance before the act that inspires it, we are forced to process the vengeance first and therefore think more deeply about its implications. And I think that that's a very astute way of looking at it because we see Marcus find who he thinks is the perpetrator of the attack on his girlfriend and basically beat him to death with a fire hydrant. Or is it Alex who does it in the end? Anyway, it's, it's a horrible scene and it's almost the first scene of the film. So already that gets you in such a mood that you're like, what is this? complete chaos that I'm watching what is happening mm -hmm. and the more time goes on the more you see him as the flawed character him being Marcus him being kind of the main almost the main character because Alex once the assault happens uh disappears and like she goes into a coma and her character it ceases to exist essentially I think that's also a really interesting point because like, she was the one that was raped, and this entire film is literally about Marcus getting revenge. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I think the format in which it's told, like you said, like, at the start, like, there's no time to breathe. Everything's just, like, hitting you intensely. Even the conversations in the train, they're talking over each other so fast. Like, everything is, like, you trying to keep up, right? Yeah. And then, like, when it gets to the violence, you're just... In the first half of the film, like, the only sense of, like, peace is her walking into the train station before all of that happens. Which is crazy because her walking into the train station is her walking to her, like, demise, essentially. Yeah. 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 Everything else is pure chaos. But I think that makes it so that you don't side with Marcus because you're just like, who mm -hmm. are these animals? And then we meet Alex and then the rape happens and it's horrific. And then the film starts to like, because it's going backwards in time, it goes to like the beginning of the day. It starts to calm down and it starts to have a sense to it. And I feel like she's the one who brings the sense into the story. Definitely. Let me ask you a thing, Gloria. Ask me. In Irreversible, she wasn't the woman who's going to get raped that night. Correct. I. It happened like in a situation of just, like, bad place, bad time sort of thing. And I feel like a similar thing was in The Salesman, where she wasn't the woman who was supposed to be in that apartment. Mm. Why do you think that exists in both of these films? Ooh! Good question. I think, I think they're different. Mm. Actually, now that you ask me that, I'm, I'm not sure if they're different. Because, to clarify... In Irreversible, when Alex enters the subway tunnel, she stumbles on this man accosting mm -hmm. what we then learn to be a trans prostitute. And mm -hmm. this woman manages to escape. And then the perpetrator turns to Alex and proceeds to attack her. So that's what happens in Irreversible. In The Salesman, we learn – this is totally a spoiler, but we learn – that the woman who lived in the apartment before our two main characters was, it is alluded to, was potentially a prostitute as well. And the attacker who enters the apartment and assaults Rana, as you're, you were mentioning, thinks that he is going to meet up with, he's a client of hers and he thinks he's going to meet up with, with her. 
Gloria, you know what I'm like making sense of right now? What? That it's like, sorry, you go ahead. I feel like I interrupted you. No, I, I, I feel like we're going to say something kind of similar. Um, I think. I was that- just going to. Okay. <laughs> I want to say it. No, I want to say, say it. it. I want to say it first. <laughs> okay, fine. Go. You asked me, so I, let me answer, even though I'm slow. Like, let me answer. <laughs> okay, fine. Go ahead. I think that there's something about the fact that the person that was supposed to be attacked was a prostitute, and I think that there's something about that attack being seen as almost as being portrayed as in society as less important and and then we portray these these other women Rana and Alex who are like beloved and being attacked and the filmmaker is almost saying like look at how awful it is for these like quote unquote good women to be attacked like it's worse than if it was quote unquote just a prostitute you say now okay so when i asked you this question i didn't have an answer but as you we're giving our lovely audience a recap. I also came to the same conclusion. But also I think to have the perpetrators of these attacks make a mistake, mm. it almost gives them, I don't want to say it out, but like by portraying it in that way, where, oh, they meant to attack this other person who is like, quote unquote, bad in mm-hmm. society, mm-hmm. but they accidentally attacked or, like, things happen, mm. and it, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, it wasn't a purposeful... Exactly, and I feel like that's so crazy that in these two entirely different films, both of these attackers have that. And with the salesman, I started feeling bad for the guy at the end. Yeah. Can we talk about that? Yeah. Should we... Do- I feel like we're we're not... We can't stick to our format this time. Like, we just have to talk about them both at the same time. And, and it we is have to. Is we Because have they're just to. so yeah. connected in a way that you would never expect. And can I just say... I don't know if this is like... We made this super clear. But both of these films have a story about a woman who gets attacked and center the story around the man who wants to, like... Revenge, like enact revenge or like have vengeance on the man who attacked their woman and that's Mm -hmm. why we like see them as interconnected even though i think that they're like as films go on like two or two opposite sides of the spectrum of like what filmmaking can be because i think that farhadi even knowing his other work is so so good at creating suspense and creating mystery and making you ask so many questions and Noe is like putting it all in front of you definitely and also we when we decided to do these films together i had seen the salesman but uh, um it didn't really resonate with me like Asghar's Fahadi's other films and i'm really happy i rewatched it because you know what i realized what a lot of his films have like a bang at the start right mm-hmm. like the thing that happens, whether it's incident. in a separate... Exactly. I can tell someone has been taking a screenwriting class of sorts. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, and, and I saw that in a separation. And I think about Ellie was just like, them screaming in, in the highway was for me to keep watching. Where I realized with the salesman, that didn't really happen. And so by the time that like the attack scene came... I honestly remembered I stopped watching at the door because I was like, okay, is anything going to happen? Like, what's going on with this film? Mm-hmm. And then I just, like, stopped. And then when I rewatched it, I was like, all I had to do was wait one more minute. Mm-hmm. To know that so, that's actually the inciting incident in the film. Exactly. Exactly. So it had a it had more of a slow start than his other films. But I do agree with you. These are two entirely different films. But I think it's good to have a conversation about them, considering that, like, they both kind of, like, move away from the actual attack and it's just focused on these, like, male characters. Yeah. What I do appreciate, though, about The Salesman is that Rana continues to be a pretty central character in the story even after her attack. And mm-hmm. Farhadi doesn't portray Imad as being like this perfect savior character. Like Farhadi definitely shows how Imad is messing up his marriage in order to 
fulfill something that's just in his own male ego. Definitely. I think also this is a really good transition to talking about the ending of The Salesman. I know, I know. Okay, this wait. is what I love about Asghar Fahadi. I know. <laughs> he just makes you want to like rip your nails off. That's how intense it is. And it's it doesn't need all the fluff of films. You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. just like family. Like I, whenever I tell people to watch his films, I'm like, it's just like great family drama. <laughs> when I was studying theater, I mm. was reading a lot of Arthur Miller plays. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking, wow, Arthur Miller is one of the greatest examples of how simple drama can be. Like, it it doesn't need, like, to be, like, inception, you know? Like, there's a dream within a dream, and then all these rules, and ah, da, da, you know? It's like, no, no, no. All you need is, like, one family and, like, secrets and, like, differing goals to make, like, the most intense kind of drama. And I feel like Farhadi is the Arthur Miller of our time as a filmmaker. Definitely. And I, I mean, I must say that like the fact that he's making his films in Iran, like really give them a context that is so rich because obviously there are like social rules that don't exist in the US that make things even more intense, I feel like. Definitely, definitely. And I can't remember who was it in The Salesman who, who was encouraging them not to go to the police. Do you remember that? I can't remember which character it was. It might be the neighbor or or when he was kind of trying to like let go of the fact that his wife was assaulted. Another neighbor was kind of just like, uh, we're the ones who saw her. You know what I mean? Yeah. Okay. So at the end of The Salesman. Oh, my God. <laughs> essentially, something that we didn't say at the start is the attacker left a car, like a truck. Mm-hmm at their wait explain the attack like can you explain like the whole scene like what happens okay thank you gloria for moving forward my speech (laughs) um okay so imad goes to the store and him and nana are on the phone and so she's expecting him right and she's about to go in the shower and the doorbell rings, so she thinks it's him. So she lets whoever is downstairs in and opens their apartment door and goes to take a shower, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so after she goes into the bathroom to take a shower, we see their, the main door of their apartment slowly creaking open. Not that anyone is pushing, it's just the wind. Slowly creaking open, and then that's it. <gasps> Even when you say that, I'm like... You know, you don't have to show me anything else. I know exactly what happened. I don't have to go to the next scene. Yeah, yeah. You did say in the intro that she gets sexually assaulted. And I do want to clarify that we never see the assault. So we don't ever know what actually happens. And I think that's a big part of the film is that she doesn't want to recall what happened. She doesn't want to share. She's like ashamed. And there's obviously the speculation that there was a sexual assault but we'll we never know and that's part of the tension is like we never really know what happened and Mm -hmm. i think that's part of what drives imad crazy and she doesn't even remember it seems like she almost even like blocked it out right and i think that like at least for a small part he convinces himself that she just fell in the shower yeah so i think especially when he does confront the attacker that is also like an unresolved thing because the attacker at first denies you know yeah but that's a really good point to bring up and so yeah again without even going to the next scene it was very clear what happened to me and i think maybe we need to take a survey of how people interpreted that scene Mm -hmm. but i'm assuming you felt the same way oh yeah yeah and so later on in the film imad tracks down the truck to this like bakery of sorts and goes in to buy something just to kind of like see it out and stuff and he 
he sets his sights on this guy who works in the bakery as the perpetrator and sorry this is kind of like a lot happens here so he basically hires that guy to like help him move and he can't he can't do it so his father-in-law comes to the apartment one day did I skip over something I feel like there's so many small details but I don't think they're all necessary no I think it's just I think it's just clarifying that like the truck was left by the attacker Imad tracks the truck down to a bakery he thinks that this young man who works at the bakery owns the truck and thus is the attacker so that's why he asks him to help him move right like he needs to find a boy to get him to be alone with him so he says like oh come to my apartment like i'll pay you to like help me move my stuff and he insists exactly the guy doesn't want to do it he insists that whole scene was really funny and when the day comes for the move he the guy from the bakery sends his father-in-law right an old man and yes an old elderly man and so as the father-in-law arrives there i'm not going to ruin this part because like there are certain things that we should allow people to enjoy but it is revealed that it is the elderly man who had attacked reina yeah and so imad as all men do decides to lock this man in a small room (laughs) like just as all men would do in that situation if you're a man chime in here (laughs) he locks this elderly man in a room and insists that his family comes so he can tell them what he did right totally the context of iran like gives you this idea or like just even the context of a non-western country like the fact that he would want to shame this man in front of his family is so intense you know it's like take that situation put it into a reversible no one would care like no one in this french film would care if you told your mother like this man went to see a prostitute like your husband went to see a prostitute she'd be like oh that's awful what else is new let me buy a baguette <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it, the tension is lost. Whereas, like you put it Definitely. in this like in this social context where it's obviously a huge, huge, huge deal. Definitely, it's worse. It's probably worse than death. Because mm-hmm. not only would Imad tell or like make make this elderly man tell his wife, but also his daughter. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Who looks yeah. up to him? Yeah, and. It's just really intense, and this is honestly where Askafra Heidi got me. I started feeling bad for this elderly man. Isn't that crazy? He's, like, having trouble breathing. He's claustrophobic in that small room that he's locked in by Imad. And so, whatever, the following day, Imad brings Rana here, and she looks disgusted. Yeah. And it's, as that, it's at that moment that I realized... She's not on the same wave of revenge as her husband. Yeah. And I think they never had, like, an open conversation. Perhaps it's because she was dealing with a lot and wasn't willing to open up about what happened. But I think at this moment, it was very clear on where she stands. Yeah. And she had more empathy for this elderly man. And so, essentially, the man starts having... Essentially, the man is, like in somewhat of distress and is having um, a medical emergency of sorts and his family shows up and, and there's so much tension in the room as his his wife shows up and begins to kind of overwhelmingly explain her love mm-hmm. i think there was like a line that she said that just like made me like bite into my pillow i was like oh my god i can't hear this ah like i'm gonna scream because she was like, this is my life. This is my, you know, do you remember that yeah, scene? Yeah, yeah. He's my whole and life. And I'm like, please don't say all of this right now. <laughs> oh, it was God. so, like, it was so terrible to watch. And then you see his daughter, like, at his knees being like, are you okay? Like, and he's like, imagine, right? Like, I, I was thinking about this from his point of view. You're in a room. There's a woman that you attacked. There is your wife, your daughter. In any second all of it could come crashing down Mm -hmm. i knew he was gonna have some sort of heart problems right there if he wasn't dead he was gonna die right there and then oh my god and just seeing the difference between how imad is like reacting to the situation and how rana is like have have empathy for this like she's so she's like the humanness Mm. he's like the ego 
and she's the whatever the other thing is the spirit (laughs) (laughs) definitely and i think what's really also interesting about that scene i i can't remember if this happens before the family arrives or after but rana basically gives imad an ultimatum her or this revenge Mm. and i knew he was gonna fuck it up from the moment that she said that (laughs) i knew (laughs) why because he couldn't let it go it was too close to him he was right there this man that he's been looking for you know what i mean yeah and even if he didn't do it if he didn't get revenge in the way that he had imagined he put into motion a series of events that gave us that ending. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I also feel like, interestingly enough, both films have a sort of social pressure that is put on the men. In Irreversible, one of the scenes is after he sees Alex being taken into an ambulance, there are these two sort of seamy characters that walk up to him, you know, and they're like, oh, we know everyone in this neighborhood. Like, the police isn't going to do anything. What do you think the police is going to do? This is a man's job. And he sort of like, they sort of like instigate him and say like, it's your job to like take revenge. And so then he gets really riled up and then you know the rest because you've already seen it. And the same is kind of in The Salesman. It feels like all the neighbors are like constantly like putting this pressure on him of like, have you seen the police? Oh, well, you should. Oh, well, you actually, you shouldn't because they won't do anything. Oh, but if you had seen her state, you would go to the police. It's all on him. It's like, what are you doing about this situation? What have you done? And it feels like it's not like an insular Mm. idea that they have to enact revenge. It feels like it's almost like they're pushed by like social norms to do it. Definitely, definitely. In the scene that you're describing, I don't want to, like, be all American about this, but... mm, Do it. Can I say it? Do it. Say it. Um, Okay, in addition to the fact that, like, these attacks happen to, quote-unquote, like, good women who these things should not happen to, and, like, these films give you a, quote-unquote, bad woman. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm Mm-hmm. Why is it why why is it people of color that instigate him to go kill this man? <laughs> the two guys that he runs into? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And irreversible. Yeah. Yeah, or like I if I remember correctly, they're like two like Arab guys. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I don't know. That's just the American in me popping out. I'm like, mm, why though? I think that's a very accurate observation. I mean, this is a French film and it's not like French people don't have racial injustice or like racial problems definitely i wish i wish we had an understanding of like how this film came to be you know what i mean because i'm just like in my own writing process and then these two arab guys show up (laughs) (laughs) i mean we we have to laugh about it sometimes you know what i mean because i do i i do try to like think about what culture something could be written in or what society Mm -hmm. before making an observation like that. But I do think it's something worth noting. And you know something that I noticed, Gloria? Yeah, what? With The Salesman, the final third act of this film is where, like, a lot of the tension and intensity are. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? You You have time to process how you feel about it. And because, um... Reyna was so prominent throughout the film. Like, we could see her, I want to say, evolution from the start to the end. Mm-hmm. But whereas I think something that's interesting about Irreversible is just, like, you said this a little bit at the start. In the way that this film is presented to you, a lot of the intense stuff, and, like, far more intense than The Salesman, hits you in the face immediately. Mm-hmm. And then you slowly calm down to, like, the mundaneness of life. Yeah, yeah. And the more, like, sweet, subtle intricacies of, like, relationships and people. And not Definitely. just violence, yeah. Definitely. And I think that's really interesting, especially, like, for how whatever the process of writing both of these scripts were. Yeah. I think it's something I think about a lot, too, where it's just like, oh, like, how do you maintain the, like, tension from start to finish? Mm-hmm. And I think these two films, like, have taken two different routes in it. And, like, mm-hmm. of course, they're both just, like, 
uh, like, and some people probably don't even get past a rape scene in a reversible. Yeah. I want to, sometimes I want to tell people like, you could watch this film and like skip that scene entirely because I think the ending half, I feel like, I feel like irreversible is really divided into two acts. Mm-hmm. It's like the first act is like the male toxic masculinity, just the ego, the violence, the chaos, the depravity, all of it. And the second half is like the human, the there's there's great to me, there's great screenwriting. The the mm-hmm. scene in the metro with the three of them, where they're essentially the scene is them going to the party. The attack happens when she's leaving from that party alone, but when they go, they're all going together. So it's her, her boyfriend, and her ex-boyfriend and they're talking about like sex and they're talking about just the dynamics of her relationship with her current boyfriend and her ex-boyfriend and the way that they're like revolving around each other is so fascinating it's like one of the to me one of the best like three person scenes that i've ever Mm -hmm. seen like it's so well acted and it you can see that they're both in their own way like like trying to understand something about alex and trying to grasp like some knowledge that she seems to have and that's my big thing with this film too is i feel like that it's not an accident that they cast someone like monica bellucci to be beaten to a pulp like it is a symbol of something tell us more about that because i do i think you might have expressed this to me before and i find it very interesting knowing her body of work this isn't the first film that she's done where she gets beaten to a pulp almost. Um, one of her first films, Milena, uh, that also happens. And it's because she is so beautiful that everyone in the town envies her and wants to kill her and like destroy her. And in Irreversible, w- something that struck me about the assault scene, and one of the reasons I put a piece of paper, but I was over the scene while I was watching it, but I was wa- I was reading the subtitles, is because the assailant at one point says, you think you're beautiful, you think because you're beautiful, the world is yours. And then, and then he's like, I'm going to fix up your face. And he like beats her to a pulp. And to me, when you see the, the last half of the film, which is the more calm half, and you see her dynamic with her current boyfriend, with her ex-boyfriend, it feels like it's a symbol that, that, it's supposed to represent something that like on screen we watch someone who even at the time in early 2000s like she in Europe is considered like one of the most beautiful you know actresses out there and to see her like attacked and totally destroyed feels like it's a hatred that like the male like masculinity has on like on beauty you know like beauty is Mm. a kind of power and it's a power that you can't control and that you can't because everyone you know as soon as she walks out the door i think that i mean you tell me but like when she walked out of that party and she's wearing that dress all that you can think about is like wow like she looks so good in that dress like the the silk or whatever like you you, i'm nervous when i see her walking along an empty night street in this beautiful silk dress i'm like oh my god something's gonna like it just feels like something bad is gonna happen Definitely. And also you you feel it like in the energy of that street. You feel it in like the fighting or yelling or like, you know what I mean? Like you almost feel like someone is like so beautiful or like so just like Monica Bellucci should not be on a street like that. Right. But and, And that is a testament to how like she, there's nothing she can do about that. You know what I mean? Definitely. And there's certainly nothing that the men who are with her can do about it. And I think that is something that it feels like this film talks about without without intentionally doing so. That it talks about how men cannot control women and especially like a beautiful woman. It, it's a kind of power and it feels like men kind of want to like destroy that because they can't control it. Damn, Gloria. That's my theory. <laughs> just some light you know morning reading i think (laughs) i think that you saying that makes me think about what happened immediately or like prior to the attack which is them at marcus and alex vincent and monica at the party and he was being such a dick to Mm -hmm. her how was he being a dick to her 
I'm trying to, for some reason, that, like, specific scene is, like, blanking out of my head right now. But I just remember they were getting an argument. He was getting really drunk. I think he was dancing with another girl mm-hmm. at some point. And it was just so chaotic. And you can see in her face that she just wanted to leave. She was over it. And his energy was just, like... I'm honestly shocked that, like, 20 minutes later, he was able to be sobered up enough to go kill someone. I mean, I think that's the adrenaline, but yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And the reason that I mention that is that perhaps the fact that he even let her go out there by herself, he may be holding a lot of guilt Mm. in himself, and maybe that was also another driving force. Mm. And then even before that, I think, yeah, I do think that trained scene between her marcus and her ex-boyfriend was a really awesome scene but didn't you find it weird that they were talking about her and he the ex-boyfriend was taking little jabs at her mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. and like even if he were never to like attack her i feel like even the way that he treats her the way he talks about her as if she's like this thing that was his and now like mm-hmm. it's she's marcus's i don't know that just made me really uncomfortable i agree and i think that the whole scene there is revealing how much he her ex-boyfriend wanted to control her in his desire to like understand her you know she's like stop trying Mm. to understand like everything stop trying to explain everything away like you can't explain sex like it just happens and it just is this way and he's like no like tell me and he even like says that marcus stole her from him mm-hmm. like i don't like like the fact that he even used that word i don't know a lot of the dialogue should have if told in the right order should have implied that like we're going down this like series of events that like could end bad for her and right. perhaps it wasn't him but like that's like it just puts a particular i guess it makes you more likely to like anticipate something you know i don't no, know totally I, totally no no i think you said it perfectly and i also think that it fits with this idea that like actually if this film is talking about toxic masculinity as like a a whole that our three main male characters all have a kind of toxic masculinity of their Mm -hmm. own way like vincent is like super cocky he like cheats on her alex is like trying is obsessing over her and trying to like understand her and control her and you know whatever he even says to her like oh i love watching you like you're such an aesthetic pleasure right like he kind of in over intellectualizes her and like but still objectifies her and then the attacker who i think his name is tenya obviously Mm -hmm. it like embodies just like the pure violence and the like hatred but they all have in their own way what you were describing, this thing where you're like, ew, they all kind of look at her like an object, but they want her to be theirs. Gross. Gross. Men are gross. (laughs) Those men are gross. (laughs) When we're walking with Monica to the train and it's like, after like being in this chaotic party setting with like Marcus's annoying ass, (laughs) and then we see her walking in the quiet or not quiet but like dark streets of paris and it's like you're finally like oh i'm so happy to get out of that party as the audience and then you're just like you have enough time to like look at monica you know Mm -hmm. or alex in the film and you're like oh like why is she like out here like you know what i mean you you have more time to like analyze the situation analyze her in the situation and then this dude comes out of nowhere and attacks her yeah and I think, like, to even get, I feel like it's much more impactful that you do have that little bit of time. And I said this at the start, where I was like, the only time that you have, due to the way that this was, like, screened, is, like, you hit all the chaotic things, and then you see the rape. And then that's, like, the utmost right. chaotic thing like to happen. Yeah. Exactly. Um, another film of his. So, like, that short period of time that you have between those two parts of this film almost prepare you to be further traumatized by seeing that next scene yeah you're right yeah because you know something bad is gonna happen it's kind of like in his own way it's like his version of the door creaking open in the wind it's like definitely the anticipation you like know it's gonna hit but with with gaspar you know it's gonna hit like full force exactly to see so many chaotic scenes back to back and even like the party although wasn't like violent it was like a level of chaos and to have that few 
minutes of just like peace somewhat ahead of that attack made the attack even worse as a viewer. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That film is fucked up. That film is fucked up. If we're <laughs> this is our own station. It's radio podcast, so we can say that. Yeah. Word. I can cuss on here if I want <laughs> I can to. Cuss on here. <laughs> I think Gloria if we allowed ourselves and we didn't have to, you know, be real people who go outside and do things, we could talk about this film forever For and, sure. like, analyze every single detail, especially, one, understanding the salesman through its particular, like, cultural context, and then the other side of, like, dissecting every single fucked up thing about Irreversible. Yeah. We could talk about this forever, but this is kind of just, like, I feel like our huge takeaways. Yeah. And... I do want to say, I guess, a lasting thing is, like, Mm. it doesn't feel like this male vengeance, which is the theme of both of these films, is ever – is really the answer. It doesn't really get these men to, like, where they want to be. And it certainly doesn't get the women to, like, a a more healed place in their trauma. Definitely. I agree with that. And also – I, I don't think either one of us has, like, properly said this. Even though Irreversible is super messed up, it has one of the most beautiful, tender, beautiful, beautiful scenes of, like, a relationship I've ever seen yeah. in film. You want to touch on that? I would argue it's because they're actually together. So when you're watching that scene of them together, which is it's at the end of the film, which is the beginning of their day, and they're just, like, in bed, and it's clear that it's, like sort of post-coital or whatever like they're just cuddling and talking and they're naked it just feels so it's weird it doesn't feel voyeuristic but you do feel like you are watching a real couple you're so in it you really feel like they're actually together and you're not watching a film you're just watching two people like joke with each other and tickle each other and laugh and like talk about whatever even if you've never seen this film but you had a Tumblr account, you probably have seen this film. <laughs> yeah. You've probably seen images from this film for sure. For sure. If you've had a Tumblr account in the past 10 years, you've seen this film. If you know that image of, of two people kissing across a clear plastic shower, she's in the shower. You've seen this hair, film. You've seen this film. <laughs> ah, the internet. Oh, gosh. Alrighty. Okay. We've been talking forever, sis. Girl, we did it. Wow. Thank you guys for listening. If you want to watch Irreversible, again, do so with caution. It is not rated. So just to give you that idea of how intense it is, uh, you can watch it for free on Tubi. It has ads, which actually I would say for this film is kind of a relief to have like moments (laughs) of pause where you just like see an ad for Oreos or something. (laughs) If you don't want ads, you can rent it on Amazon Prime Video. And The Salesman, you can watch on Amazon Prime Video as part of the subscription. Awesome. Thank you so much for that. This week, our song to close us off will be Visa by Lalo. Thank you, Adelaide. Merci beaucoup. Live from my closet. Actually, this time I'm not in the closet, so. <laughs> what? <laughs> Run that shit back. Cut everything. Start this episode over. Hey, je suis dans la ville avec Mehdi. Je voulais savoir ce que tu fais, babe. J'ai du cash et la CB. Résine de H va pas m'aider. Maman va sûrement s'inquiéter. La cigale a chanté tout l'été. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, les émigrés dans le BM. L'équipe te fera dans la DM. Appel de phare dans les DM. Je vous fais ce rêve